0: It is an honor here tonight to um, introduce you to some more of your family, Dominion. Um, We have a couple here from our Dominion Darlington campus. Very strong couple in the Lord. We have teacher Derek Sports and we have his wife, Pastor Jerrica Sports. She's our iCampus pastor, amen. And we are honored to have them here. They are, these are my babies. So I say. I love them. Um, they are always willing to go and do. You ask, they're there. And God has anointed them greatly. And uh, it's just an honor to be a part of a ministry where we truly have the five-fold ministry. We have apostle. We have prophets. We have evangelists, pastors, and teacher. Amen. And tonight, the teachers in the house and he's going to come and he's going to share the word with us. Amen. Would you make him welcome tonight?
1: Thank you, mom. Or as y'all know, a rev, Bev. Amen. Amen. Man, guys, I'm nervous. I am. I am. I really am. Um, And I'll tell you why I'm nervous It's because this place is special You know Apostle Kyle he, He asked me to come and speak He would be out of town Much needed rest for him and his family And I said yes Knowing that My month of October is Slam packed full But I knew I needed to come To be a part of Dominion Sumter And bring a word for you guys And so um I'm completely honored to be here. I even told him, I said, Man, for you to even trust me with this place because it's just so special to his heart. I know how much it means to him. He said, Son, he said, It is special, but I trust you with it. And so when I told him, I said, Apostle, I think I just need to come and I need to get in a posture of teaching and I I think I want to grab a stool. He said, Well, son, you're going to have to take a stool with you because uh, we ain't got no stool with Sumter. And so. I mean, I guess he ain't even lying to y'all here, amen I mean, he he shows up at Dominion Darlington He'll pull this stool up And he'll sit down And all about two minutes And then he's up and he's preaching I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? You said you was going to (laughs) teach So y'all just get raw and real Apostle Kyle here, amen But it is an honor to be in the house Amen, amen so I do want to tell you guys just a little bit about me and who I am. Um, me and my wife, Jerica, we live in Sherall, South Carolina. It's about an hour and a half from here north. So uh, it, it was a lot to get here. Me and her, we have um, four beautiful children. Uh, we have a 12-year-old, and we have a set of triplets. Amen. They're five, and so they keep us going all the time. Amen. And I'm talking about when you need to walk in the strength of the Lord, you really need it with that. Amen. Amen. So it is, it's an honor to be here. I know some of you may have recognized my face and um, from seeing me on maybe the you know, Dominion um, during Sunday mornings or Wednesdays, but I want to talk to you guys tonight on a lot of where my teaching comes from, and it's the blessing. It's the place of blessing. Amen. And you see that on the screen, it says blessing. But then there's a word recited that's called, it's a noun. But because when you have the blessing on your life, it's no longer a verb. It's a noun. It's who you are. It's what you are. And so it's not out of a place of coming in here and hammering on you guys of, about tithing and offerings. It's not about that at all, but it's about living the blessed life. When it doesn't matter what you go through in life, will you rise above it? That's what it's about, whether it's good or bad. I've come to know it as the, to know it as the Joseph anointing. It doesn't matter what he's been through in his life. But when he come out of it, where was he? He was seated in a position of authority. Can you say that you're seated in that position? That's what's important to me. That's why God's called me to this region. Five years ago, when I was praying, I knew that God had called me to something, but I knew it wasn't just to be a pastor. Because when you understand where God's called you and you understand where God has positioned you, that's when you can move into authority. Right. And so why did God call me to be a teacher, hold the five-fold ministry office of teacher? Because there was a moment that it changed my life where I needed to come and understand this topic of, this topic of blessing. And it moved me and it changed my life. And I said, God, right there on that pillow, crying. I said, Lord, I said, if you give it to me, I'll teach them. And so look where we are. We're in a region in the 48th poorest state in the country. If it wasn't for Mississippi and West Virginia, we'd be number 50. And then he put me in the poorest region in that state into a city that's called to take the region for the glory of God. And so when, you come, when I've come to understand that, God, this is why you've put me here. I understand my purpose. And this comes out of a place because I want all God's people to prosper. You need heavenly things in your life to fulfill your purpose. Listen to me, Dominion Sumter. Those things are from value. And God has to trust you with it before he releases you to it. And so I want you to understand my heart tonight. It's not out of a place of I want you to give money. God has ordained this place and he doesn't need money for it to keep functioning. He needs each and every one of you and the heart that you have to take this city for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, and also the wealthiest, in Proverbs 10 and 15 he says, "The destruction of a poor of the poor is their poverty." In other words, this is what he's saying. He's saying the destructive force in a society is poverty. It leads to crime. It leads to prison retention. And if you see where the main campus of Dominion Church is moving into, you see God's plan coming together. But it's going to take a people with a trusted heart To move into it, amen. And Matthew 6 and 21 tells us where your treasure is, that should be where your heart is. So I'm not coming here, I'm coming here with compassion, but with boldness. But it's because it's important in this season. I'm not coming out of a place that I am financially stable. Rich, overflowing decadence with money. That is not me. That is not how I'm set up. But I do have everything I need to fulfill my purpose. I can honestly say that. Every single thing that I need to do the will of God that He's called me to do, I have it. And I'm not with, I don't have any lack. That's the position I'm coming to tonight. Because I want to make sure that everybody in this room, that you understand that. Because you have a purpose. God didn't just send you here for whatever. He sent you here for a purpose, for a plan. And he so desperately wants to get that to you if you haven't figured it out. If you don't know what it is. Amen. God's kingdom is supposed to be well-equipped. It's supposed to be well-financed. And listen to me now. Not out of selling donuts. Not out of hot dog sales. Not out of yard sales. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. I said that this morning. He owns it all. And if his people are lacking from something and they have to go and beg, what does that say about the God that you serve? What does that say about him? We're going to get into it, amen? (laughs) The problem with this is that the entire body of Christ does not understand kingdom. Okay? They do not understand it. Thank you, Brooke. I appreciate it. Um, they don't understand kingdom. And that's a lot of where my message comes from is, is kingdom mandated. Because once you understand kingdom and you understand you're under the authority of a king, a king owns it all. Everything that you have, who you are as a person it belongs to the king. Amen? And so that's where the problem is, is because we don't fully understand or even believe that God does own it all. We don't understand that. But once you come to that knowledge that God owns it all, when he asks for something in return, it's nothing to give it back to him because you understand that it belongs to him. Amen? I shared this morning that 13 to 20% of the body in Christ as a whole in all of America actively tithe. And look what all we're doing. Even if that's true for Dominion Church, look what all we're doing. But what if that number was 100%? What if it was? Where would we be? how much further would we be? That's my concern. The people in our region, how much more blessed would they be? How much more would they know about Jesus Christ? Amen? The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. That's the place your mind is where your attitude your attitude changes. God's, God doesn't supernaturally act in sending checks to your mailbox every week. But he does act in a place of giving you an idea. An idea that will spark a purpose in your life to move you into that place. Amen? That's what the wealth in every mind means. God's not going to give you that idea if you're just going to abuse it. Amen? So I have a scripture, and it's Luke 15. It's the story of the prodigal, and it's starting in verse 11. I'm just going to read this scripture um, straight through. I'll do it on the screen. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, Give me the portions of the goods that fall to me. So he divided them, his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all he had, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods of the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and perish with hunger? The story of the prodigal is about a son who did not understand the boundaries of the home. The boundaries of the home were a safe place. And because he was selfish, he took his inheritance and he spent it. Not understanding the boundaries were meant to keep him in a place into a time of maturity. That's what boundaries are. We all need boundaries in our life. Amen. Amen. And you have to, when you come into a full maturity of Christ, you'll see those boundaries and you won't step outside of it. And so the title of my message, Trey, could you throw it back up there? Is a place of blessing. And I have found three places specifically in the Bible that are places of blessing. Now, Did God bless people in the Bible in those other places? Yes. But these are three places that if you stay grounded in those places, you stay within the boundaries of those places, you will begin to live the blessed life. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, in the book of Numbers, and if you're taking notes, I'm going to get you to write this down because we're going to revisit it. In the book of Numbers chapter 22, I didn't have Trey put it on the screen, but in the book of Numbers chapter 22, the Israelites, they were in a conflict with the the Moabites. And so the Moabites, they were frustrated with the fact that the children of Israel has now come into their land and are right outside the walls of Jericho. And so the Moabites knew that they couldn't defeat the children of Israel. And so what they did was they hired a sorcerer. Balaam, to come in and curse the children of Israel. But catch this, even an evil sorcerer looks at them and says, I cannot curse what God has blessed. Write that down. Write, I cannot curse or nothing can curse what God has blessed. Amen. Amen. And so back to the house, the prodigal son. He did not understand the boundaries of that home, and he took his inheritance, and he went and blew it. And I told you that the boundaries were not constraints. You can't look at a boundary as a constraint, okay? So I'm just going to use an example, my home, because I want my life to continue to be blessed, right? There are boundaries on my home physically and spiritually, okay? You need to understand this, okay? Physically, because Jerick and I, we have a, we have, I just told you guys we have triplets. Two of those triplets are severely autistic, but through God, you know, God is making ways for them every day. But listen, they don't know boundaries, And so as parents, Jerick and I have to physically put boundaries up in our home so they won't wander out of those boundaries. That has already happened before and scared the lights out of me. I remember when I worked third shift. I'm actually going to work when I leave here tonight. But uh, for some reason, the babysitter couldn't come, and I had to stay with the triplets. I fell asleep on the couch, and I woke up with hearing the screen door slam. And Tavner, our baby boy, I seen Avery out in the yard and I didn't see Tavner nowhere. And it it got me in a frantic uproar because I'm the father. And I was looking for my baby and I couldn't find him. Thankfully, all he did was walk around the house and get in the backyard. But it was because I didn't set up the proper boundaries in my house that my son made his way outside the boundaries. And it's just like the father with the prodigal. When he seen the son coming back, he started crying and running to it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go even further. Our marriage, there's boundaries. And you have to set those boundaries. Because as the father and the mother of the home, once one of us gets outside of the boundary, what will happen? the whole house will come down. The whole house will be in turmoil. So in boundaries, just like at our home, and I don't mind sharing this with you, we understand that our marriage is a covenant, and we don't operate outside of that covenant. Do you understand that? You can't operate out of it. Text messages, Snapchat, all that's a boundary. Pornography is a boundary. In the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, he talks about boundaries. He compares it to a river and a swamp. A river has boundaries. And when the water stays within those boundaries, guess what happened? Life flows. It feeds the tree that's on the boundaries, which gives life to fruit. But in the swamp, there's no boundaries and everything's dead. Once that river reaches a point and it overflows the boundaries, everything else dies. And so boundaries have to be put in place. So a home is a place of blessing as long as you have those boundaries in place. Now, the second place is the house of God. The house of God has boundaries. Let me say, wow, how does the house of God have boundaries? Because it does, because the house of God has to operate in order. It has to operate in honor. Amen? And once you cross over that place, once you cross over the boundary of honor, you step into a place of called familiarity. I will never allow myself to get in a place of familiarity with the apostle of this house. I will never call him Kyle Meyer because it's out of a place of honor because I understand the call that he has on his life. And I also understand the blessing that's on his life, the covering that he provides for me. Amen? And so the house of God is a place of boundaries. We're going to operate in honor, right? And the third place is tithing. Tithing, the tithe comes from the word, it's the tenth. It's the tenth of our whole income, right? And so the boundary of that is exactly in the name. It's the tenth. God says, give unto me a tithe. And then he goes in to do what he said he's going to do, but that is the boundary, the 10%. God says, give that to me. The 90 of it's yours. Do with it what you want. If you want to go buy a Lamborghini with your 90%, go buy it. But God has set forth a boundary. Don't cross it. It's called the law of divine portion. God will always set aside for himself something. All the way from the beginning. Listen. In the garden, Adam, have it all. But these two trees right here, don't touch them. Once he touched them, what happened? Death. Amen? And so the other scripture that I had, and I'm not going to be long, is Malachi 1. And I know that Malachi 3 is where we talk about the tithing, but let's go into Malachi 1. How many parents are in here today? Got any parents? Y'all gonna love this, amen. In Malachi 1, God's dealing with the attitude before he even gets to the problem. How many of you know that with children, if you deal with that attitude first, you won't have to worry about a problem, amen? And so God is dealing with this right here, In Malachi 1. He's dealing with the attitude that his people have before him, right? And just remember that Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament before God shuts his mouth for 450 years. So that speaks to me and tells me how important this is. He says this starting in verse 6, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am master, where is my reverence? Let's see. Yeah. Says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? The people began to look for the worst things. They have among their livestock and bring it to God. And this is what God is saying right here. He says, you have offered food. You have offered defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Listen, they were bringing defile offerings. They were bringing livestock, pigeons, goats, whatever it was. And they were looking at the worst of what they had and then bringing it to God, okay? Let's go on to verse nine, Trey. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Let's go back, Trey. Now this is where God is saying, look, there's a way that we can fix this. This is a way that you can get me back into my good grace my good graces. Can you go back to verse 8, Trey? Oh, there it is right there. He said, offer then offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? What God is saying is, take what you're offering to me and then take it to your governor and see if he'll be pleased. Each and every one of us in here, we pay taxes, and that's the first thing that comes out of our check, but then we want to come and bring God the leftovers, and God is speaking to it right here, and he says, when you offer, offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your gatherer and see if he will be pleased. Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts, verse 9? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Who is the, oh man, here we go. This is talking to the preachers right here. He said, who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? You know what he's saying? He said, if this is what you're going to do. If you're going to come in the house of God, if you're going to be religious, you're going to jump around, you're going to do all this, but you don't want to give me your heart, shut the doors and just go home. That's what he's saying. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering for your hands, from your hands. Oh, man. From the rising of the sun even to its going down my name shall be great among the gentiles and every place of incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations you know what god's saying he's saying i want all everybody who does not know me to understand that my people love me love me by how they treat me can you answer that for yourself today Does the people who do not know God, the God that we know, the Jesus that we serve, can they look at your life by what you're giving to God and say, man, they must really love their God? That's what he's saying. By what you do, how you serve, what you give, that is showing everybody how much you love God. Let's go on into Malachi 3. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse. Let's stop right there, Trey. What's on the top of your paper if I had you to write it down? You cannot curse what God has blessed, right? But look right here it says you are cursed with a curse so if you're cursed with a curse then it means that there's something that you have to do what is it for you have robbed me even this whole nation this is satan satan and what he is saying is come out and play when you get outside the boundaries of your home Whatever those boundaries may be, that is Satan saying to you, come out and play. Because he can't touch you in the blessed place. He can only touch you when you get outside of it. It's even like the story Job, about Job. You see all that Job went through. Not everything that you go through is from Satan. Everything that that Job went through was to get him to another level in life. It was to give him double for his trouble. It had nothing to do with Job stepping out of the blessed place. He was blessed. But what you have to understand is when things come into your life, God is trying to trust you to move you into that next level because how great is it? What is your ministry going to become? What is your life going to become? And so, if you're going through hard times and you're saying, God, I'm in the blessed place, I'm doing the right things. Get ready for double. Prepare yourself for that, amen? When you step out of the house of God because of offense come, that's Satan saying, come out and play. That's why it's important to choose the house for the blessing that's on that house. Not because we got good children's ministries, Not because we have good music, not because it's our favorite preacher, but you have to look at the blessing that's on this house that's going to cover you because you're trying to get up under it. And then what is the enemy going to do? He's going to come with the fence, and he's going to come with things to try to move you out of that blessed place where he can come and get to you because he can't get to the one that's blessed. You have to get under that covering. And then the enemy is saying this. You don't have to give 10%. You don't have to give an offering. And then when you hear the lies of the enemy and you step outside the blessed place, you're no longer going to be in contact with heaven. And those heavenly things that I talked about earlier are no longer going to happen in your life. God's going to shut it off. He's going to shut it down. Because what you have is so great, he cannot release it for it to be splurged, just like the prodigal son did. He wasted it. I'm not saying that God won't come running down the road and welcoming you back in. He will. But look at the time that was lost. Will he restore the time that the enemy has stolen to you? Yes, 100% but you have to remain in the blessed place. And in this day and time, it is so easy, so easy to get out from under it. Dominion Sumter, you are connected to something. You are blessed. I remember, I remember a year ago when Apostle Kyle, he came in and he said, I think the Lord's telling me to go and build something in Sumter. And I didn't know what it would become. I didn't know it would become this precious, but I knew it would be blessed. I knew it would be blessed. Why? Because the blessings of God were on him. It doesn't matter where he would have went. But God spoke to him to go to Sumter, And why? It's because of each and every one of you in here. God's called you to something. This place isn't just special just because. Sumter, listen. How can I say this? Sumter is blessed because of Dominion Sumter. It's not the other way around. Your job is not a blessing to you, you're a blessing to your job. Your job is better because you're there. Your job is solely a place for you to go and bring seed back into your house. That is all it's for. And then God has strategically placed you there for a reason. Why? To spread the good news. What I love about that scripture is Jesus said, spread the good news to who? The poor. What's good news to a poor person? They don't have to be poor anymore. Poor and poverty is a mindset. God doesn't want his people living in poverty. He owns it all but he just has to trust you for you to receive it. And it's the example of the prodigal that when you receive it, if God was to give it to you and you would just splurge it all on wasteful living, he can't have that. It's too precious. It's too precious of a thing. Brooke, I'm going to go ahead and come to a close. Jesus teaches or taught on the principle of ownership he did not teach on the principle of ownership but on the principle of stewardship and management I shared that this morning and that's what each and every one of us we have to understand that that we don't own anything that it's of God's And when we understand that, that is when God will move us into that next level. I always say it like this. People say this all the time. I hear it all the time. They say, man, you know, if God would give me a raise, I'll tithe. And because the grace in me, because I, I mean, the five-fold teacher is the most graceful gift there is. And Jericho even tell you that. She'll say, man, you're just showing way too much grace. I'm like, man, it's in me. But at the same time, I want to say, no, you won't. Because if you, if you won't tithe a dollar off of 10, you won't tithe a hundred off of a thousand. It's in this moment of tithe and offering that God changed my life. A man of God spoke into my life, and he spoke right into the area that I was struggling with. It's my testimony, and I'll share it to the day I die. I was bound in the love of money. I was, I really was, and I didn't even have a lot of it. I still don't. But it's not about money. I mean, I I would get to a place where I'd get raging mad when my bank account didn't have a certain amount of numbers in it. Jerrica's sitting right there, she'll tell you. It would change my whole attitude. It would change a place where it was just hard just to be married. And it was because of this right here, where I had trust in money, in material things, and I wasn't trusting God. And so I would go to church, and I loved God dearly. I really did. And I wanted to do something, but in the back of my mind, I was more focused on other things. God spoke right to me right there in that moment through a word of the Lord from a man of God. And it changed my life forever forever and now I'm reaping the harvest of it. What it was, was this. Just say I was bringing or or grossing $1,000 worth of income. What's to tithe on $1,000? $100. And so loving God, really loving God, I'm talking about I was sold out for Jesus except for the tithing part. And I had the same mindset that a lot of people have. I said, man, if I can just get another raise and I ain't got to worry about these bills, I can start tithing. So what I would do is I would come in, the offering probably would come by, and I'd drop a 20 in it. The man of God would stand up in the pulpit, and this is what he would say, bless the gift and the giver. And I'd be like, yeah, I gave, so the Lord's going to bless me. And six months goes by, nothing. I was dropping seed, and the enemy was coming and getting it right up off the ground. Isn't that what the Bible says in Mark 4? Jesus told his disciples, if you can't get this parable, you won't get any of the rest of them. And so Satan came immediately. He snatched up the seed, and my life was still in turmoil. God's needing you to trust him in this moment. Not just in giving, but in your home. Are you stepping outside the boundaries of your home? Are you stepping outside the covenant you made with your, with your, with your wife or your husband? Is that maybe the reason you're not blessed? Are you getting so easily offended in the house of God by things that really don't even matter or have no concern? And it's causing you to step out of a place of honor and into a place of familiarity? Trey, let's go ahead and go into 10 and 11. Malachi 3, 10 and 11. This is the freeing part, Dominion Church. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me in this now, says the Lord of hosts. And if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out you such a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. Listen, what God will do. Not what you have to do, but what God himself will do. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That word devourer in the Hebrew literally translates into seed eater. He says, I will rebuke the seed eater for your sake so that, they will, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. What is your fruit? that heavenly income that God is so desperately trying to get in here you see that fruit comes out of a place of seed not tithe tithing rebukes the devourer, and then when you go to sow seed that's when fruit will manifest in your life nor shall the vine fail to bear, bear, bear fruit for you in the field says the Lord of hosts that's the most freeing scripture that I've ever heard Because God is telling you something that he will do. You don't even have to do it. God says, bring it to me. I'll take care of the seed eater. And it was in this moment that I didn't understand that scripture. And so I was dropping seed and no fruit was coming. And my life was just continuing on a spiral path out of control. And where would it have led to? I don't know. I probably wouldn't have my wife sitting there with me today. I wouldn't even be standing here today because the fruit would have never produced. I would have got outside the boundaries of my home and my marriage would have been no more. I would have no longer been in a house of God that would have moved me into the place that I am now. And my life would have been destroyed because of one simple concept that I did not understand
0: and I've said it before and I've said
1: it again the only thing I've ever wanted was a man of God to tell me and explain to me the word of God to have the guts to do it and that's all I'm trying to come here and do today is explain to you what this moment means because I want so bad and God wants so bad for you to live the blessed life And so I told Rev. Bev, I said, Rev. Bev, let's, let's just hold the tithe and offering to the end of service. I don't know anybody's tithing record, giving record. I don't know it. I don't want to know it. That's not my concern. My concern is with you today, Dominion Church, is that your home is in order. That you're in order in the house of God. And when God tells you to give something, you give it. You should never have to go and consult your bank account when God tells you to do something. That's my heart for you today, Dominion Church. Do we do the declaration here? We do do the glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, we got a new one. Oh, it's a little different. Y'all going to put it on the screen? I can read. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it's a little different here. Praise God. So let's stand to our feet. And let's begin to declare and give God an offering. Amen. Let's sow that seed. Let's get in the blessed place. Let's not let it be a verb where we do something and then God does something in return. Let's get in the place that we're blessed wherever we go, 24-7, that the blessings of God is on our life, and it will become a noun. It will become who we are. Amen. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? All right. Let's lift our offering before the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that as we lift our tithes and offering to you, we declare partnership with Jesus to see him get his full reward. We declare as we give, it shall be given good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We are kingdom seekers and we seek you and your kingdom first. And above all else, in doing so, we lack for nothing. We are thankful that as we give our gift, it is flowing from Dominion Church into the nations. As we give, we declare heaven full, hell bankrupt. As we give to you, O God, we declare sumpter saved, sumpter set free, walking in the power of the Holy Ghost and kingdom revelation. God, give us this city. Hallelujah!